Your support is important to Living on Earth. Donate today by pressing the donate link on the left of this page. Every bit helps. And thanks. The first wildfires of the season have already broken out in California, turning about 250 acres of national forest there to a crisp. But it wasn't giant redwoods or sequoias that went up in smoke. It was a family of shrubs known as chaparral. Chaparral covers most of Southern California's four national forests. And scientists say in some areas it's in peril. Living on Earth's Ingrid Lobet visited the San Bernardino National Forest and has our story. We're looking at our California sagebrush, and it creates this really quite pretty bluish-gray cast over the landscape. Mark Borchert is a veteran Forest Service ecologist. The living things in these steep foothills are his wards. He steps downhill to twist a branch off a signature plant. I want you to smell that. So that's artemisia, and so that's the aromatic oils. The intoxicating scent of crushed California sagebrush, or artemisia, fills the air. But this little gray-blue sagebrush stands apart now in a sea of bright green grasses. These grasses arc across the face of the mountain and look fat and happy. Hugh Safford is lead ecologist for the Forest Service in California. He and Borchert survey the grass-covered mountainside. I mean, basically every species that we can touch right here is from somewhere in Central Asia or North Africa or Southern Europe. Yeah, essentially what you've, what you've done is you've converted what was a shrub-dominated system to a grass-dominated system. I mean, it's really that simple. So somebody might look at this hillside and and they might say, the hills look so beautiful, look at that bright green color, but you see something different. Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. It's green and there's, there, there are, there are a lot of flowers and I'm not going to tell people it's not beautiful, but... Ecologically, it's maybe it's ecologically it's right, not beautiful. <laughs> no, it's a disaster ecologically. I mean, it's basically just a hillside of weeds. That's really what it is. Foothills covered in weeds, in what Americans have set aside to protect as forest. What used to be here is called coastal sage scrub. It only exists along the west coast and gets a little moisture from the Pacific Ocean, 60 miles away. Nine-tenths of what once existed is gone now, even here where it's been protected. What brought this ecological swap from sage to grasses, the ecologists say, is people setting fires. But don't we hear these plants are fire-adapted? Aren't they supposed to burn? Yeah, you hear this all the time. Yeah, fire-adapted. You read in the right. newspaper, people talking about, oh, that stuff burns every 10 years, you know, that's what it's been on. No, no, it's not at all what it's meant to do. And when it burns that often, it starts looking like this. Truth is, Safford says, these foothills are probably only supposed to burn every 50 to 100 years. Before 13 million people settled in the Los Angeles basin, he says, there were few fires. Lightning rarely struck in the foothills. Now the frequency of fire has completely changed. There are a whole lot of places across the front of the San Bernardino Mountains in which there have been 10, 11, 12, 13 fires over the last 100 years. You can't support what we would call woody plants under that kind of fire regime. You can't do it. It's impossible. And those kind of systems degrade into what we're looking at right here, which is essentially a lot of bare ground and a lot of annual species. Again, Mark Borchert. They re-sprout after a fire, but if you burn them again too quickly, over time they just lose the vitality, the ability to re-sprout, and then they go away. In general, this would have been a much more biodiverse plant community than the one that's replaced it. 
Uphill in the San Bernardino National Forest is even drier chaparral. We would call it knobcone pine chaparral. In general, Mark Borchard says there's much more of this landscape left in California. So our kids, our grandkids, if they want to go hiking in a forest, the chaparral forest, chances are they're going to be able to. I think that's correct. But his colleague Hugh Safford is less sanguine. Let's be honest, the number of ignitions that the fire agencies put out every year is it's just mind-boggling. It really is. Both cite climate models that pretty much agree California is in for hotter, drier summers, which means more fires or ignitions. Some officials even say fire season is now year-round. The situation is this. as more and more people move into the system, it simply means more and more ignitions. And as we have, you know, drought years, like we had in uh, 2002 was a bad one. Last year was the worst one in, in recorded history. And, and that kind of thing is gonna, you know, chaparral's already flammable, but it's gonna set it up to be even more flammable. And add a Santa Ana wind in October, and you're, you're sort of stacking the deck now. You know, more people, more ignitions, drier summers. He points to San Diego County as an example. In the last four years, they've probably burned up two to three million acres of chaparral and nearly 100,000 acres um, that were reburned in 07 that had already burned in 03. I mean, you're talking about 100,000 acres of probable loss of chaparral. Oh. Room 17, come forward. Hello, little friends. My name is Mr. Halsey, you can call me Rick, otherwise known as the voice of the chaparral. One man who watched those 100,000 acres in San Diego burn twice in five years has now made chaparral his life's work. Today, Rick Halsey is out in the sweet-smelling hills with a class of fourth graders. First of all, I have to say something, I have to say something. I have been with adults for like two weeks. Ugh! I'm so glad I'm with kids today. Halsey is a former biology teacher. He warms the kids up, teaching them the bird call for the wren tit. They're so engaged, they hardly laugh at the name. Oh, you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend any day. That's how they do it, you know. When birds, when birds sing, they're usually uh, looking for a boy or a girlfriend, or they're telling the guy next door, get out of my territory! That's what they're saying, usually. Then comes the name for the hillside plants these San Diego kids have seen their whole lives. Chaparral. C-H-A-P-A-R-R-A-L. Do you know there's more chaparral in California than any other plant community? Halsey says when people head into the National Forest, they're looking for pine trees and have a sort of are-we-there-yet attitude toward the plants that make up the majority of their native ecosystem, or worse, see them as a weedy fire hazard that has to be cleared. But it's just a wonderful system, and it, it defines California like none other. A meadow is dominated by grasses, and a forest is dominated by trees. Chaparral is dominated by these shrubs. They're incredibly talented plants, and there's an equally talented group of animals that li live there. Halsey would like the four national forests of Southern California to be renamed National Chaparral Recreation Areas because he says people just can't appreciate chaparral when they're looking for trees. And when you don't know something exists because it doesn't have a name, it has a tendency to be exploited, and it can disappear without anybody knowing that it was ever there. 
When talk turns to the San Bernardino National Forest, even Halsey sounds like hope is scarce. Well, the San Bernardino Forest, the front country it's called, is pretty devastated. And I don't see much that can be done to change that because the fire frequency is so high. Some of those areas burn every year. On the other hand, he says, devastated lands can be turned around when communities adopt them, yanking out grasses and replanting. Also, as new homes crowd their way up the skirts of the mountains, developers could build in blue green spaces where new residents could walk among native plants instead of palm trees. And then all of a sudden, they start smelling the sage and the sumac, and they connect, get connected with it. And they get this feeling when they walk out in the morning with their coffee, they can smell the air with these fragrances that have been here for millions of years. Halsey waves a sprig of white sage by the fourth graders in hopes of making some primal connection. Perhaps the cure for a devastated landscape germinated here today. For Living on Earth, I'm Ingrid Lobat. Oh, it's a panapipla! Did you see that bird up in that tree? Yeah. Had his little white wing bars on there? He was catching a little moth. Okay, anyway, I'm getting distracted. Coming up, Dr. Doolittle isn't the only one who does it. Talking dolphin and signing with great apes, just ahead on Living on Earth. Support for the Environmental Health Desk at Living on Earth comes from the Cedar Tree Foundation. Support also comes from the Richard and Rhoda Goldman Fund for coverage of population and the environment. This is Living on Earth on PRI, Public Radio International. 